welcome to the German Genealogy Girls podcast. I am your host, Ursula Krause from Berlin, Germany. Join me as I dive into German genealogy. You will receive first-hand information on the best resources and techniques, German history, and all you need to know when it comes to German research. And now, let's get started. Welcome to the second episode of the German Genealogy Girls podcast on April 1st, 2017. And no, this is not an April Fool's joke. Let me start with thanking all of my listeners of the first episode. Your positive feedback was overwhelming and so very inspiring. Thank you all. If you have any kind of topic you would like me to talk about or any kind of remark, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me through the contact form on my website, germangenealogygirl.com or through the German Genealogy Girls Facebook page. And if you don't want to miss an episode, you can either subscribe to my blog or to my Facebook page and receive a note every time I post an interesting link or a new episode comes out. But now, let's get going. This month's guest is Kim Ashford. She's a professional genealogist and the founder of Twigs and Branches, one of the initiators of the International German Genealogy Partnership and member of the Executive Committee of the first International Germanic Genealogy Conference taking place in July 2017. Thank you, Kim, for taking your time to join me. Well, thank you for having me. I know that you're incredibly busy with organizing the conference, and I understand that there still is a lot of work to be done behind the scenes. Yes, we are not bored as we're getting prepared for this upcoming <laughs> conference. <laughs> I understand that. But before we really go into what we want to talk about today, let's just talk about you and about your ancestors. Okay, I am... Um, from born and raised in Minnesota, and people think of the state of Minnesota as being very Scandinavian. They think Swedes and Norwegian, but there's actually probably more people in Minnesota that have had German ancestry than Scandinavian. My own mom is most; she is probably a hundred percent. All of her lines go to German ancestors that I have found, and her ancestors immigrated in the mid to late 1800s, but they just kept marrying Germans. Um, and I also have German lines on my on my dad's side as well. So I am maybe living in Minnesota, where people think we're Scandinavian, but I am very German. Thanks for sharing this information about your ancestors. Let's talk about the Germanic genealogical societies. I'm a member of two German-American societies um, and three German societies, and I get so much out of it, actually. They're a great place uh, to really learn. And most of the societies that are here in the United States, and I'm sure the same is the case in, in Germany or wherever the societies may be found, really focus on education. And I find it a great place to hang out and find new genealogy friends by attending genealogy activities. Yeah, you mean they're nerds like us there as well. 
That's right. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's nice to find a place where someone can be excited with you that you found a death certificate because that's kind of a morbid a morbid document for most people and yet <laughs> genealogists really get excited whenever you find a document that has your name, your ancestor's name written on it, no matter what kind of a document it is. And it's fun to have that cheering section for you when you can have find success. Yeah, exactly. I remember these moments as well. But what exactly do genealogical societies offer? When I come to you, and what, what would you help me with? So what I'm... I'm the past president of the uh, Germanic Genealogy Society that was here in Minnesota. And a lot of our uh, focus and goal was in education. And so what we have tried to do is we have publications. So we have a quarterly journal that would give information. Uh, We also have volunteers that have um, volunteered to help our members with areas of research to give them tips But one of the things that I think is great is when you have gatherings or meetings. I joined the society because I wanted to rub shoulders with people who knew more about researching areas than I did. And so one of the things we do, like we, you know, we have regular conferences where we'll have speakers come and present. But there also are informal gatherings. Some societies like, like the one I belong to here, we have a study group that meets once a month and the study group just simply we work and help each other learn how to read German documents, whether it's in the newspapers, whether it in the Fraktur script where it's printed um, or whether it's the, the German script handwriting that is, can be so challenging. We can work together and we really kind of support one another in our educational, personal education. And it's, it's fun to be able to have that interaction. Yeah, I think, and you sometimes need this support because you're very close to giving up. Yes, it's really nice to be able to have, because no one person can be an expert in all things. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is. And as we are all learning in, at, in at different levels, we can, we can help each other. And I find that even if I'm the one that may be able to understand one document, I'm actually able to practice those skills. Because if I don't practice them, then I lose them. And so, yeah. and so it's a great place to, to still be able to keep your hands in the records if in this, op- in this case, but also just to have the ability, you know, these societies have all these different resources that you may not be aware of. Um, sometimes they may have libraries of books of information that they've been collecting that are resources there for you to be able to access that may have other these books may not be available anywhere else but your society may have them what would what would that be for example so um for instance things like the germans to america books Mm -hmm. are one example of a series of books that occasionally some libraries have but it's a different collection of passenger lists that would be recorded of people coming from from Germany. But that's just one example. We have got many um, records in our library that are German language books that are talking about the heritage of different areas in Germany. And we have thousands of copies of various books on 
and a lot of them are trying to actually be re- relating to researching in Germany or research or the history of a town. And these books are so valuable, but they may not be available in most libraries because yeah, genealogists are interested in such books. Yeah. And, wa- and, and we'll I mean, take the time. we don't even know that these books exist. So we simply need someone to tell us about that. Exactly. And I really enjoy that, you know, there are some societies in Germany that have gone through and created books that re- go through the church books and they create, you know, these these records where they've gone through and really done the history of the town, stating who lived in what town or who lived in what location. And they're producing such fabulous resources for other people. And you don't know about it unless you really are checking into what societies are doing. Mm, yeah. You talked about that you can also get help if um, with reading the old German script. Mm-hmm. Do you have experts there or is it? So what we have done is for our society, uh, some of us would not like to call ourselves experts, but we have more experience than others. Mm-hmm. And we, but we do have others because that are very good at reading it, but every handwriting is different. So you may know how to read handwriting, but this particular minister, as he's writing his, he does his letters a little bit differently. Yeah. And so you have to figure, you have to get reacquainted with every single person's handwriting. So we will try and have people of, of varying experiences that are there to be able to give, to give help. But it's, it's a process that we're all just trying to learn together. So, Because anyone can learn how to read it. You just have to actually take the time to yeah. put forth the effort. Yeah. I think people aren't aware that Germans have to learn that script as well. Because we don't learn it in school either. Not anymore. Um, so we have to practice a lot. It's, it's simply... Yeah, it's not easy for us as well. And and very often when I can't read a word, I just ask a colleague um, um, to look over it. And that's the high, a whole idea between or behind our research group is that we have multiple people. So it's kind of like we crowdsource. So one thing that we'd like to do at, as part of our group is we will have people bring a digitized record and we take the record and we blow it up and on a projector and a projector screen. Oh. And we all kind of work through it and say, okay, I think this letter is this. What do you think? I think it's this word. And so we all help each other learn together. And I think that has really been a valuable experience. And it sounds like big fun. We do have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. But um, tell me about the church records of of, um, Minnesota. Are they in German or Swedish or when when do you do you think do they start to get English? They started to become English probably later than you would expect and it depends on the area that they lived. My grandmother grew up speaking a combination she said of English and German. She went to a parochial like a church elementary school mm-hmm. and the, they were in German, probably, it depends on the era, but probably into close to the ni- to 1900s. The closer you get to the world wars, the quicker the German stopped, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we have like German newspapers here 
that there were a loss of them in the United States, but there was a huge drop when it came to World War One that it that they didn't want to have that wasn't supported anymore, mm. and even more have gone away went away after World War Two, and so, so I think you're going to get a, a lot of variants. But it was German for quite a long time, and people don't realize that they, when they're looking at church records in the United States, if they're doing German record German church churches, the records are going to be in German or in Latin if they're Catholic. Hmm. But um, I mean, usually, I, I think that if you're not from this very area, uh, like your family moved away two or three generations away, and you just don't know your way. It it probably would be the best thing to really contact uh, a genealogical society um, and find out what they can offer or if they can help you find the right church and the church books. Yes, often the society is understanding the resources in an area. So if, especially if you aren't living in that near that area, a you would want to contact the society and say, I am trying to research here. Do you know what what the resources are in your location so that I know where I can contact next? Because the society itself may not have all of the records, but they would be aware of, oh, well, those records are held at this archives, and that's the location that mm -hmm. you may be interested in. Or, you know, they'll have more details about the local area, which is really helpful. How do I find the, the local Germanic Genealogy Society? So we are one of the places. Um, it, you, I do Google a lot. So I will look for, you know, certain keywords saying German Genealogical Society or Society and with a certain location. But you also have to realize that Just because a society is in a certain location, they don't do records just for that location. Mm -hmm. So my my society is based in Minnesota, but we are trying to help wherever Germans are found, not, not just in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And the partnership that we're going to talk about later, we're trying to create some listings of genealogy societies. The FamilySearch.org wiki also has a listing of some German genealogy societies that you can look for. But there's more of them out there than you would think there are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really worth taking a deeper look into it. But I've heard that there are something called German interest groups. What's that? A German interest group is a smaller collection um, or a smaller group of people within a larger society. So perhaps a state society, you would be a member of a state society, and a, an interest group is a gathering of people within that larger society that want to focus on just one topic. So those topics could be doing German. It could be doing DNA. And they are not necessarily, their membership is not independent of the host, the parent society, but um, they have a relationship there. And so there are some different, different society, special interest groups have different relationships um, with the parent company, but basically it's just a smaller group. So they may have separate events that are focused just on, you know, for Germans, because mm -hmm. we're talking about Germans 
societies. They may just be, they'll have their own meetings, but the larger state society or city society will also be having their own meetings as well. And so it's just another way of kind of breaking people down and trying to help people make connections. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's also worth that if, if you can't find maybe a Germanic um, genealogical society, that you just get in touch with the state society and see that maybe they have a German interest group. Yes. And if they don't, are they willing to have one? I think if yeah. people are, they would be willing, many societies are willing to have volunteers get involved. So if you're willing... Because there are more Germans than people think, pretty much any location you are in would probably be able to attract some interest of others that want to study German German yeah. ancestry. Yeah. So we now heard that everything that you can do for the members, so it's definitely worth becoming a member. But what about the cost? How much is the average cost in a genealogical society? It does vary quite a bit. Um The average cost is probably around $30. There's some that will be less, some that will be more. Which isn't really a lot, which is isn't, it? No, which is not a lot. And generally, the what comes with membership are things like a publication, perhaps a newsletter. Some of the societies are, are starting to do webinars, and they'll have resources that are They'll have a website and perhaps they have resources behind like a membership wall, which refers to you have you get a login so you can re you can access some things as a member, um, mm -hmm. perhaps handouts or other materials that, you know, are trying to make it worth your membership. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth it. I mean, I know what what I get out of it. And I mean, only the literature I get every year. It's amazing. And the newsletters. So I'm always up to date. So for me, it's definitely worth it. I mean, all this incredible work the societies are doing, all of these people are volunteers. Let's not forget that. So um, uh, so there, you're probably always looking for people who want to get involved and maybe help a little bit. This is true. Yes, we are all volunteers. And That is what what is wonderful about that is that it's everybody is sharing their passion. And so we're always trying to, to find a good fit of, you know, are, are you what is your interest? What would how would you like to help us out? And it doesn't have to be large jobs. It can be a short, you know, small, a small step, but it, it helps make the whole society better with everybody that gets involved. And I think it's a great opportunity to learn. That's really why I, I got involved um, and really got involved on the board is because there were people that were on the the movers and shakers of the society. That's who I wanted to rub shoulders with. I wanted to get to know them better so that I, when I had a question, I could say, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this better? And it's been fun to be in, to be so yeah. deeply involved in societies that I'm starting to meet the members better. And you just you get to know people so much better and what their skills and talents are and to be able to give back and then to also benefit by receiving some help yourself is just a great experience. Yeah. So I want to send out a really big thank you to you and the many other volunteers out there all over the world who do an amazing job. Um, and make people like me, who only are members, 
uh, give me so much joy and, and um, make me learn new things. So, so thank you for doing all that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we talked about the genealogical societies, but Kim, you have brought with you a methodology tip. Yes, and, I have. Um, I think we should just listen to it. for a methodology minute, a chance to understand the how-tos of German genealogical research. And now sit right back and we will take you through the process step by step. One of my favorite resources for researching my family are newspapers, especially when your ancestors lived in a small town. The local newspaper can be filled with information that adds to the stories of your family history. For my German relatives, I have often found their place of birth or marriage in Germany or a date of immigration in the various articles I have found. The first types of articles that we think about for research are often obituaries, but they are not the only ones. Events and celebrations such as birthdays, marriages, and wedding anniversaries may also include further details about the family. Legal announcements about probate cases, divorce, lawsuits are sometimes forgotten about because they're often written in very small print, but they can lead you to additional records and details that are worth reading. I love reading the town news or gossip columns as people may refer to them in a newspaper because they record the travels of people connected to the area, which can be very helpful. With more and more newspapers being digitized and searchable, it is easier to find some of the more unusual articles. It is also becoming easier that optical character recognition software, or OCR, helps index newspapers and can make them searchable, even though they are, it's not a perfect translation always. With more and more newspapers being digitized, and searchable, it is easier to find some of the more unusual articles. It is also becoming easier now that optical character recognition software, while not perfect, can index newspapers and even some in the German Fraktur print that the German language newspapers used. Ethnic newspapers covered a much larger area and include news from multiple states or across the country, and you may find ancestors in newspapers you would have never thought to look for before once they are indexed. Information contained in German language newspapers will more likely have names and places spelled as you would find them in German-speaking areas. Ernest, with, an, with E-R-N-E-S-T, may be Ernst in a German newspaper, E-R-N-S-T. William may be Wilhelm, even though in other records in the United States, they will spell it the other way. This will change how you search for them. Also, in English newspapers, place names are frequently misspelled, but in a German language newspaper, they are more likely to be identified correctly. German newspapers take some effort to locate. I like to use the Chronicling America website for American newspapers to search for titles and places. 
Some of these titles are also digitized. Some societies may have indexed some of these newspapers already and have indexes available. It can be difficult to read these newspapers, and they are a document that perhaps someone at a local German genealogy society or, or organization can assist you in the translation. Reading German newspapers and small town newspapers is definitely worth the effort. This was our Methodology Minute on German genealogical research. You can also read about it on my website, germangenealogygirl.com. Oh, wow, Kim, that, that was a great tip. Where do I find these records? Do I find them in the local library, for example? Most of these newspapers, sometimes they will be in a local library and they will be on microfilm. Other times they may be at an archive and it just depends on where to research. So in the United States, my favorite place to look is the Chronicling America website. It is, it has a index. So there are some newspapers that are, that are digitized and that's great if they're digitized, but I like to look at, there is an index that you can look for every newspaper that has been published in the United States. And it tries to tell you the titles that you're looking for mm. and when, what time period they were published. And it tries to tell you what locations they may be found in. What they have there are usually the bigger locations, the the archives or a university library that may have copies of those editions. What they often do not have is a smaller historical society or a genealogy society that is a that isn't connected to um, a larger library system. That they may have articles tucked away, or they may have copies of articles. And so I use Chronically America to find the title and the location. And then I start, if I don't see a location that's nearby um, where I am, I may start contacting a county resource, a county level or a city level where that newspaper was published and see if they have other resources. So they, they might be in another society, for example, or another archive or so might be able to send you copies, for example. Exactly. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Now we've learned so much in the first part, and I think it's time to take a little break. And when we'll be back, we're going to be talking about the International German Genealogy Partnership and, of course, the conference as well that will take place in Minneapolis in July. And this is a little piece by Johann Sebastian Bach.
welcome back from a little break. It's now time to talk about the International German Genealogy Partnership. And Kim, I wonder how it came to be. Okay. Uh, well, what's interesting is that it actually started out with just two people. When I attended a FGS conference, so the Federation of Genealogical Societies, I approached Dirk Weisslater. Mm-hmm. And he and I had met at a previous conference. And one of the biggest questions that I had been getting as a leader in our society was, how do I connect with people in Germany? I want to try and make connections in Germany. And so Dirk and I met and in between sessions, we started brainstorming. Well, how could this work? How can we get societies talking to each other um, so that we can make connections between? And that conversation has snowballed into what we have today. And I remember that we um, that you started with a different name, and then you changed because the partnership changed. Well, when we first began, the focus had been connecting German societies in that were in Germany and German Germanic societies that were in the United States, and that represented who the partner societies were. But as we got started, we quickly started adding additional societies, and there are different interests. What about Switzerland? What about Austria? We have a partner in the British Isles. We Our newest partner in, is in Australia. We have a Canadian partner. We are reaching out to societies wherever German ancestry or groups of people who are trying to research German ancestry may be, and the connection is the German language, not a specific country. And mm-hmm. so we started out with the German-American Genealogical Partnership, and we have quickly changed to the International German Genealogy Partnership, and we felt like we wanted to do that in advance of making sure our, our website was correct initially. We wanted to make sure that we had it before our conference so that we really started really embracing this more international aspect and focus. What do you think is the, the special value of this partnership? Genealogy is all about making connections. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect to the past. And all of these genealogy societies, we are all working and have all this fabulous information. But if we aren't sharing it, it's the value has lessened because nobody knows about it. And so what our hope is, is that by having societies talk to each other, we can actually perhaps do projects together where we all try and support something that helps the community as a whole. We hope that our members will be able to be better aware of other resources and being able to help make connections across the ocean and across you know, country borders with people that have this, are researching the same, that can help them with skills. And our goal is to strengthen society as a whole because they're being more aware of each other. Hmm. I know you have a website with loads of information about the partnership, about who the partners are, about events, uh, research aids, um, and um, a lot of other things. Can you tell us where to find it? 
We do. Our website went live um, in February, and it is www.iggpartner.org. So it's okay, a- so for those of you who missed that, you will also find that link on my website, germangenealogygirl.com. Could you name some of the member societies? Oh, how, how many member societies are there, actually? We have quite a few. Um, one of the, um, so we have one of our main partners is the uh, DAGV Society. And Ursula, you'll have to help me pronounce this correctly. Um, the Deutsche Arbeitsgemeinschaft Genealogischer Verbande. Or I don't, yeah. I'm probably Deutsche not saying that right. Genealogischer Verbände. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It has over 65 member societies. And so that is one society that represents a whole bunch of others that um, is part of our partnership. We also have like the Palatines to America organization that has seven different um, state chapters that are in there that are all um, members of the group. But we have, and so these are larger groups, um, We also have, but we have from different sides of the country. We have several that are in California of different sizes. Some are just special interest groups that are around the country that are just a, their their main society has supported them in joining this partnership. And we have some that are in Florida, New York, as I said earlier, Australia, Canada, the uh, British Isles. And so there are quite a number of them. And I also saw that, uh, noticed that the Verein für Computer Genealogie uh, recently joined. And that's a German society uh, who deals with computer genealogy. And they have an amazing website with I'm, I, an enormous amount of valuable information. And um, my next, the, my, the guest for the third episode will be Timo Krake. And he will talk about exactly that. So you can learn a lot on that website, and they're a member of the partnership as well. Yes, they are. They're part of the DAGV, but they're also an active member. So we have listed them kind of individually on our website. And yes, they have a, an extremely valuable website for doing German research. Mm. What if if my my genealog- genealogical society would like to join? How? Do I do that or how would we do that? And what would it cost? So we have on our website kind of an agreement that needs to be rewritten because it's kind of become a little bit outdated. But basically what we're looking for is a commitment that you are going to support the partnership. And what that means is support it in your publicity. And we're... And in, as an exchange, we'll be supporting your organization with publicity. Um, we are hoping that you will be actively involved with some volunteers. We are looking for a specific representative, a contact person for each society. At this time, there is no set charge, but we are working on becoming an official um, nonprofit organization. And so we we may have, there will be costs on a limited basis, but we're trying to keep costs very low. 
Um, up until this point, we've just done donations from societies to help us pay for our website and and a few things like that. But um, at this point, well, we're just trying we'll to be grateful for further donations. Yes, we will definitely be grateful for for further donations, and we will kind of let you know how that works out. Stay tuned on the website as we are working out those details. But our our focus it has just been we want people to come and get involved, and we want we don't want it to be a hardship. So if if fees do come to pass in the future, it will be. There won't be a blanket fee. It's going to be dependent upon, you know, the size and the ability of your society. We don't want a price tag to, pre to prevent you from participating. Okay. And can I, as a private person, join as well or only through my society? Right now, this partnership is focusing on societies. We are still, we're still brand new as we're working, working through this and... What we are, but we want to have relationships with individuals, but some of the resources will not be available to individuals. It'll only be available to um, to societies. So the only people that will have, you know, membership status to be able to access some of the information on the website will be partner representatives. It won't be available to members of all of the partners. So there are, but our when we have our conference that we'll be talking about, that is open to everybody. You do not need to be a society member to attend those types of mm -hmm. things. Now, this really is an exciting project, and I'm sure that we're going to hear much more about the partnership in the future. Well, thank you, Kim, for giving us a little inside information about the International German Genealogy Partnership. And uh, now it's time to learn a little bit German, and after that, we're going to talk about the conference. <laughs> German with the German Genealogy Girl. Here's an important German word you will need to know when doing research. And for the very brave of you, I even included a little piece of German grammar. Enjoy! When looking for German newspapers, you need to know what word to search for. In German, the word for newspaper is Zeitung. Z-E-I-T-U-N-G. Zeitung. You will also find newspapers called Blatt. B-L-A-T-T. Blatt. And Anzeiger. A-N-Z-E-I-G-E-R. Anzeiger. Each of these three words have different genders. Zeitung has a female gender. Die Zeitung and the plural is Die Zeitungen. A Blatt is neuter. Das Blatt and the plural is Die Blätter. Anzeiger is male. Der Anzeiger and the plural is Die Anzeiger. And now you know what words to search for when looking for German newspapers.
This was an important German word you will need to know when doing research. You can also read about it on my website, germangenealogygirl.com. So these were the three German words you need to know when looking for German newspapers. And now we're talking about the conference. And uh, Kim, when does it take place and where? So our the 2017 International Germanic Genealogy Conference is taking place the 28th through the 30th of July. So that will be this summer. And it will be taking place in... Brooklyn Park, which is a sub northern suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I looked at the speakers list, and I mean, it's amazing. We have really, it's really the who's who. We have uh, Gail Schaffer Blankenau, Babel Johnson, Stephen Morse, Roger Minard, Paula Stewart Warren, Jill Morelli, Timo Krake, Tony Perone, Fritz Jüngling, Teresa Steinkamp McMillan, Ernst. I hope I got that right. Michael Lacopo, James Beidler, Benjamin Hollister is coming all the way from Australia. And then, uh, Kim, you and I will be speaking as well. So we have I, um, almost 40 speakers, different speakers, that oh, will be wow. giving presentations over the course of three days. And... So it's all about German genealogy. Only all of them are focused on German genealogy. Or Germanic areas. We have a variety of, of range of topics. Everything from the German parish records, which is what everybody kind of starts with when they're doing German research, all the way to, you know, things like immigration records, how to do newspaper research, valuable online resources. We have a, several talks on different types of websites Everything from the Computer Genealogies website, which is just amazing, but also to archives in the Czech Republic. Also, we have a few lectures on DNA because that has been a, a popular topic as well. So we've really tried to cover a lot of different areas of where Germ Germans were living, not just Germany alone. And we've tried to get a lot of the different ethnic groups within Germany as well. Mm. What I noticed is that um, you have a very strong focus on the social part of, of research, so to say, the social status that is of utmost importance when doing German genealogy. Um, and you can read so much about sources on the internet and books and everything, but so very little on this social status. That's why I found, found it so very important to also discuss that topic. Yes, we're really trying to make sure we've covered a lot of different aspects. So understanding the social standing of your ancestor can be so crucial to understanding what records would have been created in regards to their social standing. And You know, it's the stories that really get us intrigued and interested in our families, especially those that aren't interested in the in the facts, perhaps some of our family members. They want to know more about the history of the area. How did this affect them? And so we've tried to include those topics in our programming as well. One talk that I certainly don't want to miss is the one for, of uh, Roger Minert on German census records, 1816 to 1916. And I think that he really has a lot of 
great things to tell. Yes, I've heard that talk, and it is very exciting, the things that he has been discussing. Um, And we've been encouraging people as they register to let us know what topics or what classes they might be most interested in. It won't give them a, it won't reserve their seat, but it will help us to determine which size of a classroom to be able to put some of these speakers. Yeah. How many people have registered already? We have um, about 400 people that are attending thus far. Wow. And there is a, a limit to the size of our location. And so we do expect that we may sell out. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's the very first conference. But I mean, I don't wonder with, with this great lectures you offer. Because it's a first time we've held this conference, we were unsure about what the response would be. We knew what we hoped it would be, but we didn't know what it would actually be. And we started out with the conference only being a two-day conference. And we got so many fabulous presentations submitted and so many more that we couldn't include just because we are, you know, you're limited onto your size, but we felt like we had to add an extra day of presentations. Um, and so we're very excited for the, the buzz that is going around and uh, about this new conference. And we're just excited about the theme because we really want it to be about connections. So the theme of this is connections international, cultural, and personal. And that's really what our focus is. We're trying to focus on the fact that we are an international community as we all are trying to research, you know, our ancestry, ancestral roots. They were, you know, they were constantly moving and we we're looking for that, those cultural and personal experiences to be happening at this conference as well. And how can I find information on that? Is it on the website? It is well? all on the website. Yep. We have information about all of the speaker bios um, are found on the website, as well as information about how to register and um, the suggested hotels and things that are available. It's all it could be found at iggpartner.org. Great. And if I want to register, can I register through that website? Yes, we do have online registration that and um, we use PayPal to be able to pay for it, which you can use with a credit card. You do not need to have a PayPal account. Mm -hmm. um, you can play with a debit card. And uh, how much is the fee? It, the cost now is at $2.99 for the three-day conference. Okay. And uh, hotels. I hear that the, the, the conference hotel, which is the Marriott, is already sold out. Is that true? <laughs> yes. The, uh, that one has been sold out for a couple of months already. It's pretty amazing. Oh, wow. And so we do have a list of several other hotels that are in the area. And we will. Um, and so that can be found on our website. And we have people staying at additional hotels that are in the area, or we have some people that are staying at campgrounds. So there's a lot of options. Uh, and the area is allows for a lot of free parking. So getting to the conference is not going to be a problem. So this really sounds like a must if you're into German genealogy. And uh, for me, of course, it's going to be extra exciting because I'm going to be in the U.S. and meet a lot of my colleagues and, of course, also clients. So 
I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yes, as far as I know, this is the first, you know, big conference that is focused only on German research. When I have gone to other conferences, it's been amazing how fast the German classes always fill up. They're always packed. And it's really exciting to be able to help be, to help create this new conference. And we will be having this, the plan is to have this every other year. Mm-hmm. So if I miss this one, I would have the chance to, uh, to attend the next conference in 2019. That is our plan, yes. Okay, so I think that we answered a lot of questions regarding the conference, but if you have questions, just check out the website iggpartner.org for further information. Okay, Kim, I think that we covered about everything I wanted to talk about. I have on my list, but I mean, of course, we could go on forever, actually. Um, but I really do want to thank you for your time and um, all, all the things that you're doing for us with the conference and all the information you gave us. And uh, looking very much forward to meeting you in Minneapolis very, very soon. So a big thank you to you, Kim. Well, and thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure, Kim. This was episode two of the German Genealogy Girls podcast. Don't miss episode number three that will be launched on May 1st. And then my guest will be Timo Krake from the German Society of Computer Genealogy. And uh, we will be talking about the incredible resources they offer. Don't miss the link of the week that I post on my website, germangenealogygirl.com, every Monday. Maybe you will find something interesting there. And um, if you want to leave a comment, please do so. Thank you so much for listening. Your German Genealogy Girl. That wraps it up for this episode of the German Genealogy Girls podcast. Thank you for joining me exploring the hidden gems of German genealogy. Remember to visit my website at germangenealogygirl.com and learn even more about German genealogy. Until we meet again and auf Wiederhören!